Hi, um, we're here now with our last podcast of the week. Um, it's been a very exciting week with many different uh, visitors and um, contributors and speakers to the podcast. Um, but the last one is a very special one. I have to say that. I'm very excited to have you here. Um, we are here with Piluca Vaquero, who runs the archives for Val de Lomar. And we're here with Margarita Cabrera, an artist that I truly respect. And, and I, I, I'll talk more about Val de Lomar in, in a bit. Um, Margarita Cabrera is here presenting a solo exhibition at Jane Lombard Gallery. It's been an amazing week. Um, I have to say I'm a little tired because I think I talked to thousands and thousands of people in a matter of six days. But I always get encouraged by my colleague, Clara Andrade, who keep, keeps me pushing to keep on going. <laughs> she's tired too, but he, she's here in the audience now. Um, I came into Bar de Lomar's work a few years ago in a, an exhibition that it really marked my vision as a curator. It was at the Reina Sofia Museum in Madrid, and it was an amazing retrospective, uh, retrospective, beautifully curated and very extensive. And the practice of Bar de Lomar to me was a revelation of an artist that was not afraid to, um, to really uh, produce work that was way ahead of his time. He started making work in the 1920s, in the 1920s, and he died in 1982. And the practice of this artist is phenomenal. An artist that has been an influence to many generations in Europe and across the continents, but is still not necessarily that well known in the US. And that is changing. He will have an exhibition coming up at the Museum of the Moving Image in New York. And Margarita, I want to say, and I will let you talk and tell us a little bit about your practice and his practice. But I have to say, Margarita, I love your work. I truly yes. feel the same way that I felt about Bart de Lomar uh, years ago. You are a living artist, an artist that does a lot of experimental work. And this, this is the connection here. It's two artists, very different generations. You are still an emerging artist with a practice, but also working in a very interesting way that involves communities. Communities are so important to you. So I'm always interested in artists like you. So I want you to tell us a little bit of your practice, what you do. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Can, you can hear me with this? Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much, and it's an, a real pleasure to be here and honored to 
be invited to be part of this conversation. I, um, I'm from uh, the borderlands. I live and work in Texas and Arizona as well. Um, I am a social engaged uh, practice artist. I work with different mediums, but one of my main interests as an artist is to create platforms and um, open up artistic platforms for all of us, artists, immigrants, um, people to be able to express themselves and to be part of the larger uh, institutional artistic dialogues that are happening in their in their areas where they're from, and also to connect those conversations and those dialogues globally, right, nationally and globally, to make them more relevant. Um, I believe uh, as artists, we have the opportunity to bring these social political themes. In my case, is the theme of immigration uh, and the borderlands, uh, histories of immigrants crossing refugees and their experiences. And, and uh, I believe that it's important for us as artists to bring these themes into these different platforms, right? What's happening in the media, what we hear in the media about um, people coming, uh, being treated in inhumane ways by the American government um, is something that's being pushed through the media in this kind of chaotic way. There's a lot of misinformation in the media and the radio and the, in, the internet. And I'm interested in creating, creating opportunities in artistic platforms where we can engage the public with these themes in a more grounded and realistic way. So wherever I go in a state or in a city, I get invited to participate. I, I bring in the local communities participating in the creation of the work and bringing in the real local situation with regard to the immigrant story, the immigrant experience. So uh, it's very exciting to be in a place like Miami or in other places where institutional leaders and, and curators are also wanting to create this type of dialogue and are um, supporting that we do this kind of work because I think that's where we have a strength as artists to be able to do that. I have to say, and I'm going to make uh, a comment or contribute to what you just said. I co-curated an exhibition many years ago about the border at La Mama La Galeria, a nonprofit space in New York. I co-curated with Ian Coffrey, and we addressed those issues back then. We, it was called Crossing the Unseen Border because it was an important topic to really talk about. We had artists that did work on, in the border, not on the border, in the border. And we presented very significant work, including Guadalupe's Maravillas work, who crossed the border and was recently featured in the uh, MoMA and has been having a much bigger voice. And I love to see that happening, that you need a bigger voice because it is America. It is the U.S. 
it is an issue that concerns all of us. But it's interesting to see that we're here with Piluca, and she can tell us a little bit more. I might need to translate a bit, but we're looking at an artist that was making work in the 1920s in Spain. And Spain in the 1920s, 1930s, was the time of the Civil War. And, well, if you all recall the famous Picasso painting, Guernica, tells you a little bit about the horrors of the world and what was happening. So these are things that transcend time and space. And I think that connects you and your concerns because we are going through, there is a lot of suffering and a lot of people, in fact, I'm Cuban-American. There are a lot of Cubans too that are crossing the border now. And there has been incredibly sad situations. So Piluca will tell us a little bit about Bardelomar, his time. And anyway, I will let you speak. <laughs> okay. Uh, as you told, uh, thank you, first of all. Thank, thank you, you Omar. Thank it's, you. it's really a pleasure and a honor to be here presenting Valderomar in Untitled. And then you are the guilty that we are doing that. I'm actually, I'm actually <laughs> a big fan of his work for years now. And I keep encouraging that he should get more space in the U.S. because there is a lot here. It's, a, it's one of the most important artists to me of the Thank 20th you. century. So Thank you. Talk, talk, tell us a little bit more. He, he starts to work in, uh, in the 20s, as you, as you said. Uh, we can classificate Valdelomar in only one discipline because he's an inventor, he's uh, a photographer, he's a filmmaker, uh, he, he made collage, uh, he's a poetry, he's also a musician, he does uh, very different things. Uh, in, the, in the 20s, he proposed something uh, called a, a objective of a variable angle that later was known as Zoom. And in the 30s, he was working with the pedagogical missions with the government of the Spanish Republic, doing uh, uh, thousands of photographs of people seeing cinema first time in, in their lives. And are incredible pictures. And they also, he also made documentaries in this period. And then civil war starts. He had to he had to move to the to Valencia with the uh, government with of the the, the republic, and um, he participates in the safe enfacement of the um, uh, pic, uh, pictures of uh, Museo del Prado with Josep Renau, and uh, then uh, in the 40s and 50s he made his uh, main uh, work that is the elemental triptych of Spain, that are three films called Agua Espejo Granadino, Water Mirror of Granada, Fuego en Castilla, Fire in, in Castile, and eh, A Cariño Galaico, eh, eh, 
is like uh, the mood. And uh, then in the 60s and the 70s, uh, he developed an own philosophy called the Mecha, Mecha, Mechanical Mystic, the, the Mecha Mystica. And, eh, eh, me lo puedes decir en español, y, porque hay que hablar algo de español acá también. Sí, eh. porque mi, mi inglés es bastante No, está muy bien, está muy bien. Um, anyway, occasionally it's nice to translate a little bit, but you're doing fantastic. Thank you. En eh, this period, in the 70, is maybe is the, the more creative period of Valdelomar. He was living... In, her, in his own laboratory, sleeping there uh, with a lot of machines around, uh, with young people uh, going around him. Is that, that, that laboratory now is on permanent display at the Reina Sofia Museum. So if anyone goes to Madrid, you can actually see the laboratory yes. at the museum. Reina Sofia Museum was really important for us, for Valdelomar Archive. And this reborn of Valdelomar in Spain, and not only in Spain, fortunately all over the world, is in, in a big part because of this uh, Reina Sofia interest in, in, in his work. And um, now uh, this laboratory that is called PLAT, that means Picto Luminic, audio tactile, you can visit it uh, permanently in the museum. So, so Margarita, this is interesting because you are so many generations apart. I mean, maybe four or five. Um, for a young artist to actually be part of a conversation like this, where we're talking about a figure that is so, because I think, Artists like Bardel de Lomar, Bart de Lomar uh, open up new spaces for many generations of artists in terms of how you can work. I mean, the freedom of not being restricted to one media or medium or the freedom to experiment. Can you talk a little bit more about how you working, you're not just making objects, you're making something that goes beyond ob objects. Yes, yes, so in the exhibition here, we have a, a work yeah. of art titled Espacio Entre Dos Culturas. For example, this body of work is inspired by the term Nepantla, which is an Aguatul Aztec language term that refers to a space in the middle. It's, it's uh, an indigenous term that inspires a, a way of being creative and productive as an artist from an indigenous perspective. And I think this is important um, because I am interested in bringing that wisdom that is a part of the indigenous history from Mexico into this creation. Um, Space in Between is um, a series of soft sculptures that represent the desert uh, region, the plants, cactus, agaves, nopales, saguaros, etc., worked, um, created with community members throughout the United States, right. immigrant communities that are 
sharing border crossing stories, their personal lived experiences are um, embroidered through symbolic representation on the surface of the sculptures. So you have stories of, um, you know, people's travel experience from the moment they left their country to their, um, their travel through borders and then living in the United States and their experiences living here. So it is uh, an oral history that's being introduced into a work of art coming directly from the people. It's un tema de la gente, hecho por la gente. That's so important because yeah. uh, I think a lot of the indigenous cultures have been suppressed yes. or made sort of, uh, or they become in some ways like a chasca, like a touristic ch chasca. Yeah. I mean, this, this is not necessarily the layers that we see Uh, in these cultures and how it that is starting to change and break away mm -hmm. because um, finally we're realizing we're not a mm -hmm. Western influence yeah. culture. Yeah. Our culture is actually very rich in our roots and, and, and all the people that have come here and the people that were here that were in North not necessarily in terms of visuals, but it, might, it, it, it totally misinterpreted in terms of media mm -hmm. and in terms of film. And, and it's interesting because Obar de Lomar was doing that, but in a different context. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why I brought the two of you together. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, Margarita, yeah. you should go on and keep on okay. saying your thoughts. Yeah, so um, going on with the space in between work, there is um, there is embroidery that, that happens on the surface of a very important material which is the Border Patrol uniform fabric that is being recycled into different forms. And there's a healing process that I think is part of you know this community collaboration that takes place as part of the artistic experience is this sort of reparation or healing or repair that goes on as we're working with these materials. So we take a, a form, which is the Border Patrol uniform, that represents control to some people, security or safety, but to other people, our immigrant communities, our refugees, represents um, violence, it represents family separation, it represents incarceration, um, it represents death. Um, all of that is important. So we combine people that have different perspectives in this healing act of restoration and um, reparation, if you will, Uh, through the transformation of this material that represents those things into the representation of something that is natural, something that is flourishing and represents growth and life. So that, very, very important. That is so important. Piluca, I think when we look at the work of Val de Lomar, I think, I think it's political work. Yeah. It's extremely political. And perhaps you can tell us a little bit more about that and where he was coming from, maybe give us a little bit more of the context so we can understand the work better. Uh, you know that uh, during, during four years in Spain, there was a dictatorship and uh, Valdemar films reflect 
uh, this uh, mix of Catholicism and fascism that we had during all, all this dictatorship. And uh, they don't realize at that moment that Valdelomar was criticizing them. And uh, there is a film uh, called Fire in Castilla, Fall in Castilla, uh, where you can see uh, also he's speaking also about death as you as your work, and he has a, a, a final sentence. I'm going to say in the Spain, in Spanish, la muerte es solo una palabra. Uh, death is only one word. Que se deja atrás cuando se ama. That you only leave behind when you love. El que ama arde. El que ama arde. If you love, you, um, I don't know how to, uh, you, you burn. If you love, you burn. You get burned many times. <laughs> El que arde vuela a la velocidad de la luz. And if you burn, you fly at the speed of light. Porque amar es ser lo que se ama. Because to love is being to love. Yeah. And, and this it's poetry. He was a poet. Too. Also, he was, he also was a poet. poet. I think there was a whole movement at the time in Europe, which is somehow connected to the Fluxus movement in the U.S. Because the Fluxus movement in the U.S. was very much connected to, it was actually earlier in Europe, it happened earlier yeah. in Europe. So there are a lot of connections between, let's say, the Fluxus movement in San Francisco and what was happening in Europe prior or before that. Yeah. 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 It, the, they're beautiful connections, I think, that transcends the, the Atlantic, the ocean, between continents. Um, we're a small planet, we connect. We're a very small planet. Yeah. And, and I have to say, Margarita, and maybe you can tell us a little bit more. One of my shows that I mentioned before, Crossing the Unseen Border, I found the most poetic and the most beautiful work coming out of that experience. Yeah. So perhaps you can tell us how that your work sort of uh, is connected to this sense of poetry and yeah. work. Because you you um, you do embroidery on fabric, so yes. for you, um, language is important. Definitely, yes. Language narrative, which you know, um, narration and in telling stories in a collective uh, way is very different than telling one story. Right when you have a group of people defining what a history is directly from their voice, a very honest approach, I think. Um, but I am very interested in the idea of poetics and, you know, um, I'm interested in the idea of spirituality in the work. It, it, the process of creating the work is, is very, very, very spiritual. And I, there are moments in the process of making something that you sort of lose yourself in what is happening, right? For instance, the cochinilla dye gouache pieces on paper, which is um, a dye that comes directly from the beetle that grows on the nopal. So this is a 
a tiny little insect that you know produces this dye. For centuries, it's been part of our symbolic narration for hundreds of years, 500 years since the time of, of the Aztecs, right? So we have a connection to landscape through a spiritual experience, through this dye as a physical material that has energy in it, that has a connection to our antecedentes, etc., um, and to the um, indigenous histories. And the other thing I want to say is, with the borderlands being a really important place, historically, this is a landscape that uh, has seen all sorts of histories take place. This is a place where it's, it's you know, the Texas landscape. It's a very sort of expanse, kind of quiet space. But we also know it as a place where there are uh, scars, right? The, the steel wall, wall that is cutting through through the desert terrain is a series of scars that we also know. Um, we also know this terrain as a place where colonialism has existed. We know it as a place where um, Native indigenous genocide has existed. We know it as a place where violence has existed in many, many ways. And of course, the dehumanization of our immigrant communities. So this is a place where, yeah, the energy is important and uh, being able to connect to this energy that exists in the borderlands, through the landscape, through the community, through the people, um, is something I'm very interested in. Um, and of course, bringing in social political issues into that conversation through that perspective and having communities that experience the art, right? Not just making the art, public making the art, community making art, but also public engaging and interpreting and making the piece complete by being a part of its interpretation. Like the piece Pepita para el Oro, Para que hable o calle, it's a series of sculptures that you need to engage with, right? That's beautiful. That is maravilloso y muy importante que no nos olvidemos de, de nuestra, de nuestra uh, conexión con, eh, con comunidades, con espacios, con nuestra historia y no podemos eh, olvidar que, que también tenemos una gran parte, sobre todo las Américas de habla hispana, tenemos una conexión muy grande con, con España, con la península ibérica. También tenemos que pensar que la península ibérica no es lo que nos han enseñado. Los árabes estuvieron 700 años allí. Hay una historia detrás de todo eso. Siempre tende, te, tenemos la tendencia a pensar, y estoy hablando en español porque es muy importante, I'm, I'm, I, All of a sudden, I started to switch to Spanish because I think it's important also to recognize that our history, eh, which is very connected to Spain, is not what we've been taught, that here comes the Spaniards. Eh, Spain has its own history. The Jewish uh, community or the people that had to leave during the Inquisition. We have to think about also the, the presence, the Arab presence in Spain that 
really shaped the culture there. So it is a very complex history that is so connected to our history here. So we need to think bigger and larger. So anyway, that was just a comment. Bueno, eh, lo, me voy a pasar al español sí. eh, porque voy a hacerlo mucho mejor. Eh, lo que estás comentando, por ejemplo, en la obra de Valdelomar... I eh, will translate. Okay, eh, en Aguaespejo Granadino se habla de la convivencia en Granada de cuatro culturas. So, so his work eh, talks, this particular work talks about the coexistence between four different cultures in Granada. And this is what Margarita has been talking about. Que es la cultura eh, cristiana. The Christian culture. La cultura árabe. The Arab culture. La cultura judía. The Jewish culture. Y la cultura gitana. And the gypsy culture. So people tend to forget when they talk about Spain, they think it's all the Europeans. They came to the Americans. They did all these barbaric things, which they did, by the way, in many ways. But we need to think bigger than that. Yeah. Eh, también, por ejemplo, en Acariño Galaico, otra película de Valdelomar. Uh, another movie, I'm, I, I'm not going to translate the title of the movie, but another movie by Valdelomar. Eh, tiene mucha presencia Latinoamérica a través de la poesía de Rosalía de Castro y de los... los eh, emigrantes en Argentina, gallegos. So, um, so this particular movie has a very strong Latin American presence in the movie, or you see this presence in the movie through the uh, poetry of... Rosalía de Castro. Rosalía de Castro, and also the Galician immigrants that went to Argentina. Y en general, la obra de Valdelomar pues eh, eh, él mismo eh, orientaliza su apellido, que en realidad es un apellido eh, del norte de España, norte. pero él lo separa, es todo junto, haciéndolo más árabe. So, so he's also playing with the notion of his last name, because his last, last name is from the north of Spain, but he decided to open it up to make it sound more Arab. Y, eh, Actually, my name is Omar, and I, yeah. I was always wondering why, and I'm actually half Syrian-Lebanese, so I was like, why is it Omar, Omar, and that was interesting, so now I didn't know this, so he wanted it to make it more Arab. Yeah, él, él está muy cerca de la cultura árabe, y él está considerado, él se considera a sí mismo un místico. So he is closer to the Arab culture and he considers himself more of a mystic. Acuña este término de la meca mística, que es esta mezcla de la tecnología y la mística. So he has a terminology that talks about the technology and mysticism. Pero no un misticismo católico, sino casi sufí. It's not a mysticism in terms of the Catholic tradition, but more... Sufi. Sufi. More Arab. More Arab. More Arab. So it's interesting because we're talking about this sort of um, mix of things that yeah. you also talk about in your work. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the, 
the works that I'm doing from the perspective of the community along the borderlands, I think have a, this kind of hybridity also that brings together, um, of course, this sort of Eurocentric experience and the colonizing experience in Mexico, but also the colonization that happens, which is like the modern day immigration experience happening in the border. Um, and then, of course, from my experience living in the borders, all the themes are based on the history of immigration. I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's a hybridity of indigenous, Tejano, Chicano, and Eurocentric history that's being brought together as a um, creation, creation agent, but also an interpretation of the work, right? Thank you. No, I, I, I think, um, I think this is, um, this is really to me, sort of a meeting point of two artists that, in their own way, in their own way, were talking about all the things that we've been discussing, and it is so beautiful to see the two of you coming together because we're talking about. A space, a space that crosses uh, boundaries, um, crosses, um, uh, I would say, continents, yeah. countries, because in some ways, what art does that, yeah. and you, you are here for a reason, and I wanted to thank you as a curator for bringing this to to light. Thank you. Thank you, Mar. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> thank uh, you very much. I, I, I do want to just thank you too, but specifically say that these connections you're making, I think, are really, really powerful. I, I appreciate that. But I also want to thank you for letting the work be grounded in Miami, you know, in, within the context of what this part of the U.S. represents with relation to these topics. I always say that our fairs, besides the market and all of that, I hope and I think we will try our best to continue going in that direction. It is also a space for dialogue. It's a space for people to meet. It is a platform. Mm -hmm. And I hope that great things. Yeah. And perhaps there could be a collaboration between you and the yeah, state. I know, fantastic. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. This, this is going to reach out to a much bigger audience yeah. because this is going to be in our podcast. And uh, it will be one more episode. And the idea of this is to be recorded and that it will be used as an educational component. Anybody can have access to our podcast. And, you know, 20 years from now, people will be able to still listen to what's happening today. It is a, a it's, it's untitled our podcast. And we have uh, over 50 episodes right now. And we have recorded many more uh, during this edition. We, we feel that that's extremely important. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All. Thank, you. Thank you very much.